0: The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey
1: everybody, it's Matt Salmon back in for Mike Broomhead. Look, we're going to talk a little bit about protocol, presidential protocol. I have actually met uh, with former presidents of the United States in the past. And in order to do so, they still have security details. Uh, They still have staff people all around them. And they vet people up and down. If you want to go and meet with the president, they want to make sure they know exactly what the subject is going to be. Uh, They ask for social security numbers uh, before you go to the meeting so that they know exactly who you are, what you're about. And you are vetted up and down. And that didn't happen, apparently. Uh, last week, a couple of people, wingnuts, uh, were able to get audience with the, with the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. Uh, the uh, uh, Kanye West, who is now known as Ye, I'm sorry, I think I said ye before, but it's pronounced Ye. And another guy named Nick Fuentes, uh, who, is, uh, uh, who has espoused a lot of very racist and uh, pro-white uh, nationalist views. Uh, in fact, on Right Wing Watch, Nick Fuentes says, America must become an authoritarian Catholic nation where Jews have no power or influence. want this country to have Catholic media, Catholic Hollywood, Catholic government. I want this to be a Catholic-occupied government, not a Jewish-occupied government. And then his other guest... Uh, the artist known as Ye, formerly known as Kanye West, he fanned the flames. Uh, He was on uh, Infowars with Alex Jones, the conspiracy theorist, and he said, quote, I like Hitler, said Mr. West, who now now goes by the name Ye, adding that Hitler has a lot of redeeming qualities. He added that we've got to stop dissing Nazis all the time, and he denied the Holocaust ever happened. And at another point, Mr. Fuentes voiced, uh, voiced his support for Vladimir Putin of Russia, calling himself very pro-Putin and very pro-Russia. Yay, agree, agreed, I am also. So. Some of the voices that have uh, spoken up about this are one of the folks that was the first to endorse uh, President Trump in his 2016 election, a former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. And this is, uh, this is what he said. There is no place for anti-Semitism or white supremacists in the Republican Party and no place for anyone who gives people like Nick Fuentes the time of day. Donald Trump's recent actions and history of poor judgment make him untenable as a candidate for our party. That's what he had to say. And then uh, President uh, Trump also uh, got a, a comment from Morton Klein who's the president of the Zionist Organization of America, which honored Trump with a rare prize on November 13th, recognizing his administration's Israeli policies. And he said even if he didn't know who Nick Fuentes was, one could easily believe that to be true. But now that he knows, he should say something. And so why hasn't he denounced it after the fact? I want to go back to the first order, though, and that is protocols. I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier that we had a president uh, named Harry Truman that put a placard on his desk that said the buck stops here. Does the buck stop with the president or the former president or does it lie with his staff? The fact is that. That should have never happened. I want to say this unequivocally. People like Nick Fuentes and Kanye West have no place in Republican politics. Their voices are extremist voices. They're hurtful. They're harmful. They do nothing to edify, and they do everything to tear down. And the fact that, uh, that this president... Uh, This ex-president, former president, actually entertained them at Mar-a-Lago and gave them audience. It it raises some really, really serious questions. Is it – did he really not know who these guys were? Um, And – Do you have uh, some discomfort, as I do, uh, that somebody that wants to be our president again uh, doesn't know who these folks are when they've been out there, they've been very, very vocal, uh, and just because they say nice things about you, should you give them audience? The other thing that that I've really got to ask myself, and I think we should all be asking ourselves, is these protocols that are in place. What if some other wingnut that had uh, harm on his mind for the president was able to get in with a gun? I mean, do they even check him for those kinds of things, guns and knives? Or are they allowing just anybody and everybody uh, to come in and sit with the president as long as they say nice things about him? The fact is um, we've got to make sure that the buck stops here again uh, with the person that wants to be the president of the United States. And he needs to make sure that, uh, number one, these kinds of people aren't getting audience with him. And And if the staff drop the ball, then there should be heads rolling and there should be people fired. Because they were uh, they they were asleep on the job, and they allowed uh, some people to come in and gain audience with the president of the United States. They should have never been able to gain audience with the president of the United States. These people are dangerous. Their ideas are dangerous. And, and it's not it's uh, of course we have a First Amendment. They can say whatever they want, but we also have a responsibility. To either validate them or, or not validate them. Now that the p- former president of the United States knows exactly who they are, he's been made aware. Why hasn't he spoken about them? And why haven't we seen that somebody on his staff has been fired because they didn't follow the protocols to make sure that somebody that didn't represent... The Republican Party's best interest, the nation's best interest, or the former president's best best interest was allowed to gain audience and sit down with him and create this big controversy. Folks, we need to demand better. And we need to make sure, uh, A, that it never happens again, and that uh, we are very, very clear that that uh, kind of an idea uh, doesn't have any place uh, with any of the parties in in, 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 in America, but also president trump i 'm sure you 're probably not listening what I have to say right now. But please do the right thing and come out now and say that these ideas, these policies, and these people have no place in what you want to do as president of the United States, uh, as, uh, the, uh, you know, as for the Republican Party, and that uh, uh, these kinds of ideas uh, are not going to be furthered uh, by you or by your administration and that you staunchly come out against it. Make it clear, Mr. President. Well, next up, uh, we're going to be having Ken Bennett, who is the former Secretary of State in Arizona, talk about just what those pesky election laws really mean. We need to make sure that we adhere to the rule of law. The Republican Party has always said that it's the party of law and order. It is the party of adhering to the law. What is the law? And where do we go from here? So I hope you'll stick with me. And uh, Senator, uh, Senator Bennett, I call him Senator Bennett because he's been elected again to the state Senate, He'll be sworn in again in January. But he has a, a, a rich uh, background of leadership here in the state of Arizona. I hope you stick around and listen to him. Thank you.
0: Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app.
1: So, Matt Salmon again in for Mike Broomhead on this wonderful Friday. In December, aren't we lucky to be living in the Valley of the sun? Uh, I uh, have a really, really great guest on the line with me today. Uh, Ken Bennett uh, from Prescott, Arizona, has been uh, state senator. Uh, he has been secretary of state and he's going to be state senator yet again in january which i think is really exciting uh, ken probably has forgotten more about the state budget than any of us will ever know uh, he's one of the smartest guys i know and also he's a leader that actually believes in leading and uh ken welcome to the show
2: thank you matt it's good to be with you i apologize to your listeners i'm in the dc airport which you know probably pretty well and uh if so you're gonna There's some background noise, but I'm doing the best I can to cover the phone.
1: Well, uh, Ken, I really appreciate you coming on the the show. So, Ken, I want to talk to you just a little bit about um, elections. You know a little bit about elections. You've been the secretary of state. How much flexibility do the counties have uh, when it comes to canvassing elections per the statute Uh, and uh, the governor and the secretary of state and the attorney general and the presiding judge when they certify? How much flexibility do they actually have in whether or not they certify these elections?
2: They have flexibility as to when they, the counties, for example, uh, 16642 says that the counties shall, not may or think about it, shall uh, canvass the election no less than six days after the election, no more than 20. And and so there's not, there's flexibility between six and 20 days, but whether or not you can do it is not an option. It's a duty of the county, and it's actually the initial Uh, official step that each county has to take to declare that these were the results of an election and that's when if somebody wants to challenge uh, that something happened inappropriate or somebody was disfranchised or whatever you've got to have that official act uh, committed I guess by the county board of supervisors to start things off with the canvas and then after all of those have been sent into the state uh, within a certain number of days the secretary of state the governor and the attorney general have to canvass the results of the candidate elections. And if there are ballot propositions on the ballot, as there were this year, then that's a separate canvas. It actually happens about the same time. And the chief justice of the Supreme court of the state of Arizona is involved in that one. So both the County canvases and the statewide canvas have to be done. Um, And it's once they have been done that people can file challenges and things like that.
1: Okay, let me go back to that again. So they don't have any flexibility at all as to whether or not they do the canvas and they actually certify the election. They have no flexibility. uh, And the the correct process uh, for contesting an election, uh, if you want to do it through the judicial process, is to do it after the canvas is done.
2: Yes, that's the canvas both at the individual 15 counties level by the board of supervisors and the statewide canvas by the secretary governor and attorney general are the official acts to which you then have, uh, an act of government that can be challenged or, or whatever in the court.
1: So one of the other things that prominently happened during my campaign over the last year uh, across Arizona is I heard a lot of uh, people in various campaigns saying that if they were elected, they would decertify the election from 2020. Is that even possible?
2: No. <laughs> Short in a, answer, no.
1: In a nutshell, no, it's not. There's nothing in the Constitution, either in the U.S. Constitution, the Arizona Constitution, there is no statutory provision for actually decertifying an election, right?
2: Correct. Now, people will argue well, the, the state legislators are given plenary power uh, per the U.S. Constitution to oversee elections and things like that. But once an election has occurred, uh, especially two years previously, there is no provision, state, constitution, U.S., or whatever, to go back and undo it. Uh, we, we have to get elections right. Uh, there's obviously a lot of work to do in, in doing elections better in Arizona. Um, but we follow the law, and if somebody feels that the law was not followed, then after the canvas, either at the county level or at the statewide level, then you bring those, uh, questions into the courts, and the courts will decide. But no. going back and un- uncertifying the 2020 election is not an option.
1: It's not an option because it's not even possible. And so those people Correct. that were making those statements were very ignorant about what the actual Constitution and the law provides for, or they're actually uh, flat out lying to people, uh, telling them they were going to do something that they that there was no way they could do. I
2: think I think a lot of them were raising money, Matt, I, I, <laughs> on I, the I, hope on the hope that they were giving people that you could do something like that, which is not.
1: Correct. Yeah. Well, Ken, you know, uh, back in uh, 2001, uh, when Bush uh, actually ended up winning the election uh, by uh, going to the Supreme Court ultimately, uh, and it, it all kind of hung on, excuse the pun, that hanging Chad uh, out of uh, Florida and uh mm-hmm. and, the, and and that is the proper way uh, they they after all the canvassing was done, they actually filed lawsuits and it went up through the courts and uh, uh, it was ultimately decided by the Supreme Court so th- we 've got this pesky thing in the in the United States called the rule of law that we actually need to adhere to right
2: exactly, and Republicans are uh You know, best known between the two parties of constantly reminding people that uh, we are governed by the rule of law, not who, you know, what personality happens to be in what political office at any given time. Uh, And yet it's been some of our Republican friends that have uh, uh, postulated that we can somehow set the the rule of law aside and just do what we want to do to overturn an election from two years ago.
1: Well, Ken, I'm out of time. It's an honor and a thrill, and Godspeed uh, in January when you get well, sworn we'll in. I'm expecting great things. Bill.
2: My first bill will be about making elections better, more transparent, trackable, and publicly verified in Arizona so that people can have confidence in our election.
1: There's That's nobody that, that understands it better than you, and so, Godspeed. Thanks, Ken. Thank you, Matt. Thank Ta- you. Take care. And, uh, Next up, I hope you'll stick with us because we have a really, really great guest, uh, Senator Kirsten Cinema. She's been called by the uh, current Minority Leader Mitch McConnell a force of nature. Uh, when I was a U.S. Congressman this last time around, my congressional district uh, was right uh, budding hers, uh, and uh, I was uh, Congressional District Five. She was Congressional District Nine. We were right next to each other. We split Mesa and Chandler, and I, I've got to tell you, I had a great working relationship with her uh we did a lot of town hall meetings together we did a lot of uh, work with veterans uh together uh i'm excited to have her on the show she's a straight talker she's done exactly what she said she was going to do and i hope you'll stick around and listen to kirsten cinema our senator senior senator from arizona in the next segment thank you
0: values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News
1: app. Hey, this is Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead, and uh, I'm really thrilled to have this next guest on. Senator Kirsten Cinema, our senior senator from Arizona, uh, is exactly what she says she is isn't that refreshing uh actually she's done a lot of stuff uh she uh most recently was uh, one of the uh, co-authors and one of the folks that uh, uh pushed forward the respect for marriage act welcome kirsten do you want to tell us a little bit about what that act does and what it doesn't do
0: Absolutely, Matt. First, it's wonderful to be with you today, um, and uh, I can't wait to give uh, Mike has a little bit of a hard time. You're so much taller than him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm nipping at his heels.
0: <laughs> um, so, yes, earlier this week, uh, we passed a bill through the Senate called the Respect for Marriage Act, and it does two key things. Um, first, it ensures that people who are in loving marriages, whether those be heterosexual, Or same-sex marriages or interracial marriages um, have the ability for those marriages to be recognized when they move from one state to another in our country. So if you get married in Arizona and then later move to Utah or to Nevada, your marriage is recognized um, in those other states when you move. Um, So that's the first thing the bill does. It's really important because it gives a peace of mind and security to families so that they know that they can take care of each other and take care of their kids, no matter which part of the country they live in. The second thing that the bill does is create um, some really important um, protections around religious liberty and religious freedoms. And it ensures that no religious organization or religious educational institution or nonprofit, um, it ensures that they don't have to participate or condone, or engage in any kind of same-sex marriage that they don't support. So it makes very clear, um, stronger than you've ever seen in federal law, um, it makes very clear that religious institutions have the freedom to practice their own religion And can do so without jeopardizing or being in danger of losing their tax exempt status and that they won't be um, pressured or harassed by a government for having their own religious viewpoints. So um, what I think is really great about this legislation is it shows that we can both respect and um, celebrate diversity and different people's choices about their lives, while also having deep respect for religious liberty and religious freedoms.
1: You know, I I know that uh, my church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, it has been very, very concerned about the religious freedom aspects of proposed uh, changes. I understand that you work very, very closely uh, with uh, uh, some of those leaders in my church to make sure... I, I mean, in, in, our, in our church, and I know you know this, um, we have temple marriages. And, uh, you know, under uh, this new legislation... Uh, You know, there are all kind of urban legends out there. What the bill does and what it doesn't do, and some of the voices that say, "Well, now it's going to require, uh, you know, uh, temple marriages to be performed for same-sex marriages." That's not true, is it, Kirsten?
0: not at all. Not at all. In fact, um, I worked very closely with the LDS church over the last about four and a half, close to five months in drafting the language of this legislation to ensure that it provided airtight protections for um, religious organizations and entities. Um, So there's a reason that the LDS church actually endorsed and supported this bill. Um, And it was because we worked so closely together, hand in hand in crafting this language.
1: Language. You seem um, to be able to crack the code of, of working with disparate interests and in, in actually putting things together that work. Um, what about? I'm going to shift gears just a little bit because you've been kind of vocal about uh, Title 42. Can you tell people why? What, what is Title 42 and why are you concerned about it? And what are we going to do to go forward and, and make sure our, our borders get more secure?
0: Well, this is a really important question for Arizonans, because as you and I both know, Matt, and as Arizonans across the state know, the federal government has failed to address this border crisis and failed to fix a broken immigration system for the last 40 years. And we, Arizonans, have been paying the price for that federal government's failure. So right now we have a system in place called Title 42. It is a um, mechanism that the Centers for Disease Control uses um, to declare an emergency, a national emergency. It was instituted at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. And when this COVID-19 pandemic is declared a national emergency, the Centers for Disease Control said Title 42 can be utilized. And what Title 42 does is allow us to more tightly control on our borders on who can come into the country and who cannot. And the original reasoning for this was because, of course, we wanted to reduce the spread of the COVID-19 virus. So recently, the Centers for Disease Control announced an end to this part of the pandemic. Even though we're all kind of living with COVID-19 now, now that we have vaccines, the Center for Disease Control said, okay, it's okay for people to move back and forth across our borders. But what that's created is a real problem logistically because we have a higher surge of migrants seeking to enter the U.S., than frankly in our lifetimes i mean the numbers are just astronomical right now and we don't have um a legal system that is robust enough to decide quickly who who can legally come into the country and who can't and so our border communities are just overwhelmed with the flood of migrants who are entering the country and it creates a real crisis situation in those communities and it also creates a crisis and a humanitarian situation for those migrants so Recently, a court decided that Title 42 had to be eliminated. In fact, three weeks from today. So in three weeks, Title Forty Two is slated to expire, and when that occurs, if the federal government does not have a plan in place or take action, the number of people who are approaching um, the U.S. border in Arizona could triple or even quadruple. Wow! And that will just be unbelievable oh, yeah. for communities um, like you know Agua Prieta and, and um, Douglas, but also for communities like Yuma, Tucson. It'll just be overwhelming. So I'm working with my colleagues on both sides of the aisle to push the administration to take action. Recently, I sent another letter uh, to Secretary Mayorkas reminding him that uh, this has been coming for quite some time and that they don't have a plan in place. And just about two weeks ago, uh, I, as you know, I sit on the Homeland Security Committee in Senate. I actually chaired a border committee, and I questioned Secretary America's directly, and said, look, you don't have a plan. This is going to be overwhelming for Arizona, and you've got to take action to fix this. So I'm pushing really hard to hold the, uh, the administration accountable, and I'm working with my colleagues in the Senate to try and find uh, both short and long-term solutions to this crisis.
1: Well, Senator Cinema, thank you so much for your time. We, we've run out, but I, I just want to say something on behalf of all Arizonans, thanks for actually being a political leader that keeps their word. Thank you for fighting for the things that you said you would fight for, and and I know that you take a lot of heat uh, from some folks uh, because you didn't say things with a wink and a nod, but you actually do what you said you're going to do, and and so now people are upset with that. I actually find it refreshing, (laughs) and, and thank you.
0: Well, Matt, it's my pleasure, and you know what I say: if you can't take the heat, don't be born in Arizona um so (laughs) as a native arizonan i am used to the heat i like the heat and most importantly um i am grateful that arizonans know that i am a woman of my word and that um i govern the way that i promised i would do so you and i knew this when we served together uh, in the u.s house for many years and it's what i'm going to continue doing for arizona
1: thank you so much god bless you and uh, have a great weekend
0: awesome you too thanks so much matt
1: All right. uh, So next up, we're going to be talking to Andy Biggs. Andy challenged uh, the Speaker of the House, uh, or challenged uh, Kevin McCarthy for the Speaker of the House. Uh, He's also on the Judiciary Committee, which is uh, going to have a lot of action next year. And it's going to be a really interesting call. He's uh, a dear friend of mine. I I, I consider him almost family. And uh, I'm thankful that he's there. And stick with us. Listen to Congressman Andy Biggs. Thank you.
0: Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey
1: everybody, it's Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead on this uh, terrific Friday morning. Uh, I have a guest on the line who is uh, somebody I have great admiration for. Uh, He's the uh, former chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Uh, He's the former Senate president here in the Arizona State Senate. Uh, he uh, probably has forgotten more about uh, how to uh, how to run the place uh, at the state Senate than any of us have ever known. Uh, he had that place moving like a Swiss watch, and uh, now uh, he 's at the nation 's capital, always fighting on principle Congressman Annie Beggs.
3: oh Matt, good to be with you and i, I got to introduce you as the former. Uh, founder of the freedom caucus and and uh Former great congressman from my own district. So it's good to be with you, Matt.
1: Well, it's great to have you, Andy. I want to talk a little bit about uh, upcoming uh, election for leadership. Uh, I know you challenged uh, McCarthy and, uh, uh, in, the, in the conference election, and now there's another election coming up. Can you walk people through the process? Because I'm not sure they exactly understand how these leadership elections uh, really happen and, and, and why they matter.
3: Yeah, well, so let's tell you why they matter first. Because whoever the speaker is will control the whole house, and I, and not just the house. They're the number three person in line for the presidency. The the and it's so it's very dangerous to to get somebody who's not going to 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 do the right thing. So I mean that's that's what we're talking about here. And the way the election happens is that all the Republicans get together shortly. After the election, after November eighth, we all got together, and um, and if nobody ran against Kevin, he would have been he would have been this basically the de facto speaker by acclamation. And I just felt like we couldn't let that happen. And a lot of people agreed with me, and, and thirty six people voted against Kevin. and And what that means next is you actually have a floor vote over the whole body. Uh, on January 3rd, and we'll all stand up and we will say the name of who we want to be the speaker. And, um, I won't get into the, 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 the weeds too much, but right now you would need not even 218, you'd need 217 to be the speaker because, um, right. Representative McKeachin passed away. So, so you do that. And then if, if you don't get the majority, then you, Then you can recess or you could vote again right away, but uh, you just can have multiple ballots until someone gets a majority.
1: So, uh, Andy, when I was uh, in Congress, uh, three of us actually went in to talk to... Current speaker at that time, John Boehner, uh, it was Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, and me uh, that went in and told him that you will not have the votes on the floor uh, to become speaker uh, because the Freedom Caucus was going to hold strong at that point in time. And two days later, uh, you know, he stepped down. Uh, also, yeah. uh, when he stepped down, uh, Kevin McCarthy at that time uh, was really slotted to become the speaker. Um, and the Freedom Caucus got involved again and, and said, no, we're, we're, we're not going to vote for him. And uh, as a compromise, that's how we got Paul Ryan. So those opportunities to at least... Try to influence who the speaker is, or at least get certain concessions out of them. Uh, you know, for how they're going to run the house. Uh, th- that's the only opportunity you get right.
3: That that is it. And and um, one of the problems that that's happened under Pelosi is. Is they, they took away, effectively, the, the right to vacate the chair, which means to hold the speaker accountable and remove them from their speakership. They've basically done away with that. And um, uh, Kevin McCarthy's allies um, basically made it even harder to hold the speaker accountable uh last week in a rules vote and kevin just does not want to be held accountable in any way shape or form and that's bad for the country that's bad for this institution so um you know you you you, you've seen it up close and personal uh kevin is now starting to realize he doesn't have the votes but he's not he's not going quietly he says he will have He's going to be the speaker no matter how many ballots it takes for him to get there. That's his argument, though.
1: So well, that, that could be painful. Well, let's move on to the next uh, <laughs> yeah. issue. You're on the Judiciary Committee, and uh, I, I'm understanding there's going to be a lot of fur flying after uh, January in that committee. I mean, you've got uh, Anthony Fauci and gain-of-function uh, and some of the things that he was involved in. you got Hunter Biden's laptop. Um, you've got a whole bunch of things, Andy. What, what can we expect?
3: Okay, so um, we've already been working on uh, setting this up. There's been a, um, a, a a report that we put out that's over a thousand pages long about the weaponization of DOJ, and it ties right in with Hunter Biden mm. uh, and Hunter Biden's conduct in the Biden f- uh, family, which is it seems to be a criminal enterprise. Uh, it may be. Um, and so so that we're going to be going there. Uh, we've got whistleblowers. We've had over two dozen whistleblowers come to us from those agencies. And a lot of them deal specifically with with the Biden family because the agency has been weaponized to protect the Biden family, go after Trump or or any other conservative. And and, and so you see this incredible disparate treatment uh, of the use of the power. Uh, an abuse of power. So that's going to happen there. And the oversight committee, I'm on the oversight committee too. That's where we're going after Hunter Biden and deliberately um, this administration changed um, a policy that was in place under Obama and Trump. And that was for these, um, Uh, When you have misconduct in bank accounts, they have to report to the U.S. Treasury. Well, those reports have always been. Andy, I just got about
1: 30 seconds left, so I'm sorry. Let's go ahead.
3: Yeah, we're going to get that. We're going to we're going to we're going to go after that and show uh, all of the financial dealings of Hunter Biden and and Joe Biden. And you'll see that there's a direct criminal conspiracy going on.
1: Well, Andy, I I am so thrilled that you're there. Uh, I couldn't have uh, hope. For anybody better to uh, follow me, Uh, I was the chairman of your campaign when you ran, uh, and I'm thrilled you're there, and God bless you.